Okay, so I am super excited to introduce today's episode. This is the first ever on this podcast. This is a conversation between me and the beautiful Dora, host of Biohack Your Beauty podcast. I had the pleasure of being the guest. After you're done checking out this episode, be sure to go check out Dora's podcast. I will have the link for her podcast biohack your beauty in the show notes and you can get in on the good good on her podcast i hope you love this episode let me know your thoughts you can tweet me at mindflowers888 okay talk to you soon hi beautiful ones welcome back for a magical new episode of the biohack your beauty podcast we have ashlyn tuffensommer of the mindflowers podcast on the show today. I'm super, super excited to share this interview with you. It really is so freaking good. Let's dive into today's episode. Ashlyn is an absolute force. Some of Ashlyn's titles include certified NLP EFT practitioner, transformation life coach, and whole ass witch. If we're speaking in 5D, Ashland most identifies as an unbothered divine femme on a mission to assist the shift. Using her podcast and perfume spells to raise collective consciousness and inspire souls to step into their expanded versions. She and I will be discussing how to manifest freedom, wealth, and well-being. Some topics we will talk about today include how the nervous system is related to manifesting, how to transform your relationship with money, how to set loving boundaries with others and yourself, how to get out of victim mode, mantras for abundance and wealth, how to slow down the mind, and Ashlyn's beauty tips. Before we begin, please help us build our reviews by scrolling down to the bottom and rating this podcast. If you screenshot your review and direct message it to me on Instagram, I will share your profile on my Instagram story with my amazing followers. Thank you so much. Let's go to the show. Hello, Ashlyn. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing so good. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm excited. I am so excited too. I am so excited because we're going to talk about so many amazing, magical things today. And I think I would like to just start with your journey, because I know that you have been on this amazing journey of self-expansion and self-love, and you inspire so many people on your podcast. So I would love to know if you can just talk a little bit about what brought you here. Mm. I would say it's so funny because I, I moved out of my parents' house when I was 18 and it's almost like the day that happened, I started seeing 11, 11. And the boyfriend I was dating at the time, he was like, oh, well, that means make a wish. And so for like five years, I was just wishing on 11-11 and not really doing much more. I didn't really realize that those are angel numbers and things like that. And so fast forward to about 26 and I'm in another relationship and that goes south. And after that relationship, I just remember writing in my journal and I remember saying to myself, like, why can I not find anyone to love me? And I remember after writing down that question, um, it's like, like a righteous anger filled me up. And it was like, well, I love me. If no one else loves me, I love me. And I feel like that was the click. And that began my journey of like, how do I love, <laughs> you know? And so um, after so many ups and downs of normal, typical roller coaster of life, um, I can say I've gotten to a point where I know me at a soul core level and it's only because I've gone through so much bullshit. Can we curse? I hope so. Oh yes. <laughs> the bullshit is such a great teacher, but it's like not as fun. <laughs> you know? Yes, it's know. Like, why does it have to be so hard sometimes? And, and you know, I remember, I, I feel like I'm at a point now where I'm over having pain be my teacher. Like, I feel like, hey, I've been through the roller coaster. I know how this story goes. Can we learn in another way? <laughs> you know, um, yeah, anyway. 
Well, I think that's actually a really powerful thing to think about because what I, I'm sure that you resonate with this in some ways as well, but the hard things, right? We make them hard. Like they're not hard on their own. They're just hard because we believe or feel the challenge in it. So that's always the thing that has been such a teacher for me. And I think more and more as I evolve too, is like, it doesn't have to feel bad, even if it's like a challenge or like this, we're climbing this mountain or like the contrast, right? I'm the one who makes the drama. <laughs> I'm the one who like creates the, the pain, right? It's like in me. So it's all about how we, I, I guess we approach it. Does that resonate with you at all? Oh, so much, so much. So, um, I tried to make it a habit of whenever I am feeling that pain, it's like, Oh, what, where's the lesson in this? Well, where's the silver lining? And I hope I find that that helps me get out of it faster. You know, yes. my, I have friends who are like, Oh, you're over that already. How? And it's like, girl, I've already, I've already done the Dr. Phil. Okay. I've done all the questions. <laughs> Okay. I, I have the answer now. We're good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's a beautiful way to look at it because it's, it takes you out of victim mentality, which I think is like the poison, right. Of our, I, I think it could be like our culture kind of, but it's this victim mentality of like, why is this happening to me instead of why is this happening for me? And it's such a big difference. If we ask ourselves that question. Oh man. Yes. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I feel like if everyone asked themselves, you know, how is this serving me? The whole consciousness would shift mm -hmm. and snap. Yes, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about divine femme because you are an unbothered divine femme, which I love so much. So <laughs> what is, what is a divine femme? What does that mean? So for me, divine femme means full-on muse energy. So it's full-on attracting, receiving, being, and it's really living in your senses to me. Um, it's really, uh, it's like a, I can't help but like move my body because it is, it's a rhythm, you know, for me, divine femme is a rhythm. It's a flow. It's a cycle and it's, yeah, it's an essence. Mm. of ease it's an essence of ease and what is the objective with that like what are the rewards or the returns when you are in the rhythm like you said living in your senses oh I love that question I would say that that is how you stop learning from pain like that is how you are able to take your lessons and flow with them. So you don't, it doesn't have to be discomfort. It doesn't have to be, you know, constricting. I feel like when you're in that divine fin, that being energy, you, everything that comes to you, you respond to it as if you chose it and you play the hell out of those cards, whatever they mm -hmm. bring you. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned manifestation, which is a huge, uh, it's a topic. It's kind of like, a what do they call that? Like a, a buzzword. And so when it, when it comes to being a divine femme, how is that relate? How does that relate to manifestation? Well, I think when you're in that divine femme energy, you're in that attractive energy, you're already resonating at a level where everything that you desire is already living there. So when you're getting into that flow energy where everything is just oh, like a caress, you know, those things that you want to manifest are on that vibration already. So it's like, you don't have to go looking for them. They're already there. They're already there. So when it comes to receiving, cause that to me is kind of what it sounds like. It's like a portal to receiving because we don't haven't really talked about this, but like the frequency of things, right? It's you want to be a match to what you are desiring, right? Yes, 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 amazing. So, so then when it comes to the subconscious mind, 
how does that kind of play into being a divine femme and working with energy and manifesting your desires and being in the receiving mode? Ooh. Well, I would say because the subconscious mind runs 95% of our reality, um, I consider the subconscious mind to be the nervous system. Um, if we, if I had to pinpoint a physical location of the subconscious, it would be the nervous system that is controlling everything. Um, I think a part of divine femme energy is being at one with your body and being in tune to what it's telling you. And so when you are in tune with what your body is telling you, and if you have the knowledge that your subconscious mind is controlling everything and you know that your subconscious response to commands, you know that your subconscious mind responds to desires, you know that your subconscious mind, when you ask it a question, it immediately starts going to find the answer. So if you know all of those facts, I mean, I guess, yeah. How can you not see, you know? <laughs> yeah. The connection is there. Absolutely. So one of the things that's really challenging for a lot of people is getting your subconscious mind to a place where it automatically creates that sort of feeling within you. Right. So when we talk about being a divine femme or being on that level, on that high, like living in your senses for so many people, it's hard because they're not used to it, right? And their subconscious mind is so used to doing it the other way, being really perhaps hyper aware of problems or being uh, in victim mode, right? Because that's something that we're taught. How do we get the subconscious mind to go from that to this place of like being divine and being so in the flow and at ease? Oh, I love that question. Um, one of the biggest things that was helpful for me was learning mind and heart and aligning the two together. So when your heart and your brain are activated and they're functioning as one, you can, you know, all the bullshit misses you, you know, you're not even vibrating on that level. Um, I think there's three different guidance systems that we have. We have our brain, we have our heart, we have our gut. And we're confusing them. You know, sometimes we'll, we're going to our heart when our gut has the answer. Sometimes we're going to our brain when we really should be going to our heart. But I find if we're aligning our brain, our heart, and our gut, and we're functioning and they're moving as one, it's, it's much easier to get into that flow because you're missing all of the societal messages. Mm -hmm. You know, your heart always goes the truth. Um, your heart has a second brain, you know what I mean? So when you're aligning the brain heart and then your brain, <laughs> it's like, it's almost as if you can't fail. And how do you align them? Like, what would be the way to do that? For me, um, Joe Dispenza was instrumental in doing that. He has a lot of heart brain activation uh, meditations on YouTube. So I sure was on YouTube <laughs> Googling away. <laughs> Um, meditating my little heart away. And I, he's one of my biggest recommendations for getting those two aligned. But also, um, it can be as simple as sitting in a quiet place and imagining that as you're breathing, your brain and your heart are glowing at the same time. So when you inhale, imagine both of them are glowing out. And then when you exhale, imagine both of them glowing in. And that is one way to sink the waves from your brain, heart, and your actual brain. Wow, that's amazing. I love that. I'm totally going to do that. <laughs> Let me know how you like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's amazing too, because of what it, what you mentioned too, is like visualization. And I think that's a really powerful concept because like you said, like being very in the senses is so powerful and we don't really use our senses fully we do a lot of seeing, but because we're so sheltered in our very advanced technological filled lives, we're really not doing a lot of the other senses, especially because we're not moving a lot. So I think that's really powerful because it utilizes meditation in a way where you're actually kind of activating the other parts of your body that help you be really present and in the moment. Oh, as you were talking, that reminded me of um, a practice that I like to do 
it's where I taste for ideas. So I will make tea and be very quiet and, you know, receiving the senses, that's how we get new information. And so, you know, we don't have to use just our eyes to see or to sense, as you were saying. So what I like to do is I like to make my little cup of tea with the honey and make it all cute and feel good, you know, and then sit in silence and really focus on the flavor. And as I'm focusing on the flavor, what ideas are coming up? What um, emotions are coming up? And that's how I spark a lot of my creativity. I Um, love it. There's something powerful about that. It's like you're tapping into your subconscious, but also in a sense, it's bigger than that too, because uh, you're kind of tapping into something bigger than yourself as well, right? Like there's some spiritual aspect to that as well. Oh, yes. Yes. I think when you take the time to live slowly, you're able to catch a lot more nuggets. I feel like the universe is always talking to us, always sending us messages. But if we're in that go, 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 we're not able, we're not able to see it. The show, you know, there's a whole show going on in orchestra, symphony, but we're missing it because we're not tuned into the notes, you know? So, yeah. Yes. Do you find that you overthink something sometimes? Because that for me is usually the biggest struggle is like, it's, it's not only the go, 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 but the mind is going so fast, right? How do you slow down the mind? Mm, So I do a few things. I have the rule, like no technology in the mornings. I think that's a common rule that we hear a lot. Yes. Um, But I also... I like to make sure, you know how we ask our friends like, oh, you know, how are you doing? What's on your heart? I like to ask myself in the mornings, what's on my heart? Mm -hmm. Um, So I can really get in tune with my truth. Again, the heart is where the truth, where your truth lies. So it's like, I got to get in tune. I got to know what's up with me, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Recently, I've been, I've adopted the mantra, I am in no rush. But before I even adopted that mantra, um, journaling really, really helps me slow my mind down. I think when I'm able to journal, because my hand is slower than my thoughts, Mm -hmm. that helps me to kind of solidify my energy a little bit and get a little bit more stable. I would say besides journaling, like grounding, grounding has been instrumental in slowing my mind down too. Um, I try to create space in my day. Like I don't commit to a lot of things on my to-do list. I have a max of three things on my to-do list every day. And that's so I can stay slow <laughs> so I can live slowly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would say definitely, um, what is it? I would say besides the technology fast, which is definitely a top recommendation, really manipulating your schedule in a way where you're not panicking your nervous system, if that makes sense. So if I have something to do, like for instance, our chat right now, I'm not going to have something else to do until an hour in between. So I have a full 60 minutes to really decompose. Mm. Well, not be decompose, decompress. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. (laughs) We're, yeah, we're all, we're all decomposing. uh, I'm sure at some rate anyway, so. True. (laughs) And existentially, we never decompose, you know, because we're eternal. So, so yeah. Um, so yes, I love that. And there is something really powerful about that anchoring. I think that's what you're talking about too, is like anchoring into the moment. And I love the idea of giving yourself only three things to do, because there is such a crazy pressure on so many people to do like 20 things. And we are in a very rat race culture where you, the more things you do and the harder you work, the more glorified you are, like the more value valued and worthy you are. And there's something really interesting about that because when I first became an entrepreneur, it was such a like mind, like F-U-C-K because I was constantly feeling like, oh my God, I should be doing stuff. I should be doing something right now. And so when my day was done, 
I was like, what do, what do I do? Like, where, who am I? <laughs> where am I? You know, because we're so used to doing, 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 never just letting ourselves be. And there's something really weird about just being like, you feel like if you're not even like watching TV, like if you're like, just not doing anything, it feels weird. Like you have to turn on the television or you have to scroll, or you have to be reading a book or like a self-development book. Because if you're just not doing anything, you're like, what am I supposed to be doing right now? It's such a weird thing. And it's, I mean, I think it's part of our capitalist culture too. There's like this constant push to be using things and like improving and evolving. And so it's just a really interesting concept to be like, well, I'm actually perfect right now in this moment. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to change. I don't have to improve. I get to just be, and that's enough. But it's such a weird thing because like you said, your nervous system is like, no, 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 that doesn't feel good. That doesn't feel safe. And your subconscious mind is like, like danger, danger, danger. (laughs) It's such a weird concept for us to accept. Oh yeah, I agree. When I first was transitioning from full-time employment to full-time entrepreneurship, like it really became evident to me because I was trying to run my business as if I was still an employee. So I was still like, oh, well, I did this and this and this. Okay. Well, I still have until 5 PM. Um, what else could I do? And I found that I was just producing crap because I was filling in time slots. And it's when I, oh man. And it's kind of like, you know how people who haven't yet experienced life on the other side, you can't really tell them no. anything other than you have to experience it for yourself. Like you have to, sometimes what helped me make the full transition and get comfortable with doing nothing was I had to force myself to do nothing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I was getting used to it, I would tell myself, Oh, I'm not doing nothing right now. I'm soaking up sun. Oh, this is important to me, you know, to help my mind kind of take a deep breath a little bit. I would kind of fool myself a little bit and tell myself I am actually doing something until it got a little bit more comfortable. And I didn't have those racing thoughts in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but the more you force yourself to do something, then it becomes second nature. Yeah. It's, it's totally practice. I have a, a friend who she's a mindset coach and one of, she has one motto. It's like on her phone and on her iPad. And it, it says the, my only job today is to, to feel joy, something like that. But it's basically like the only job we, you have today is to enjoy your day. That's it. That's the only job. And if you are doing that, then you're good. You're good. But it's such a weird thing. Yeah. It takes a lot of practice for sure. And time. And that's really hard for people because they're like, I want it now. <laughs> so. Yes. Because everything, I feel like we're turning everything into a button. You know, it's like yeah. dating is a button now. You know, you can get your food when you press a button. You can get a car pressing a button, but it's like, yeah, that's cool. We're making everything convenient, but what are we missing out on? We're, we're pressing a button, but we're missing all the steps that got us to that thing. You know, you can't press a button for love. You know, you can't press a button for delivery. I love that so much. That's such a great way to put it. We are trying to make everything into a button. I, I love that too, because it's also like redefining what hard work is because I think people think hard work is being busy. And that's what, well, you know, when you say somebody who's really created something substantial and a lot of times they'll be like, well, I worked really hard for it. But I think there's this misconception that hard work equals time, right? You get to put your soul into something whether it's your evolution, whether it's taking the time to evolve and transform your subconscious mind, become a, become a better parent, a better sister, a better daughter, a better mother, whatever it is, that's hard work, right? It's not necessarily like the 
the amount of hours that you are doing the work. It's really the transformation that you are, that you're, you're allowing yourself to have and the discomfort you're willing to go through. I oh, think. Yes. Oh yes. And it's like, but that's the hard work is where you become the person who you're meant to be, mm -hmm. you know? And so when you skip the process, you miss out on who you could have been. Um, I was reading, I think it was Stuart Emery. He was talking about the process of transformation. And he was saying that true transformation is when you take the same essence, but it lives in a different form. And so when we, when we're transforming our mindsets, you know, from one state of being and allowing ourselves to embody a new state of living or a different type of lifestyle it's okay to stumble on the way as we're transitioning forms you know as long as your essence is still there as long as your desire to grow and your desire for more is still there whatever the form is outside of you that doesn't matter but I don't know where I'm going with that no, I love that right though, <laughs> but because I think, because that's a really powerful thing to think about is that we don't have to, and I, you've talked about this on your podcast too, but there's this sense of like, there's a destination that you have to get to. There's a, you have a purpose or you have this defined thing that you have to become and what that does is it limits you, right? But if you're able to be like, okay, the essence of me is love and this unique essence. I mean, we're all so unique, right? We all have this really, really unique experience that we've gathered and, and accumulated over time in this lifetime. And then if you think about other lifetimes, right? And so being able to say, well, I don't know where it's going, but I have my essence with me. And as long as I continue the path, listening to what you said, my mind, my body, my heart, my gut, then it's kind of like freedom because you just know that there's something coming, but you don't necessarily need to know what that looks like or what it feels like. You just know that it's the right thing for you. And that is living as a divine femme. Yes, I love it. I love that. I love it so much. It's amazing. Oh my gosh. And that's such, I mean, freedom, right? That's what we all really want. We really yeah. just want freedom. That's why we want love, right? That's why we want a relationship. That's why we want money. That's why we want power. That's why all the craziness is going on in the world right now. It's because we all want freedom whatever that freedom means for us. So I think if you can find that freedom within yourself, then it's life so much easier. Oh, <laughs> it's just so much more lovely. Yeah, I agree. I feel like with the, we're missing the point that freedom is a decision within ourselves. Mm. We keep thinking that it's all these outside things. But freedom really lies in trust and faith. If you don't have trust and faith, you don't have freedom. You know, that's why we mistakenly put it on the power. We, we say money will give us the freedom, but really it's trust and faith that will bring you freedom. And that's the core essence of divine feminine energy of that. Is, it is that trust and that faith. Mm, love that. Well, when we talk about faith and we talk about trust, what do you feel or who do you feel that faith is directed towards? Like we're talking about ourselves, but is there something bigger than that? Like the universe or source or, or energy? What for you does that embody? For me, it embodies a trust in myself and in the goodness of other people and also in the goodness of the universe. Mm -hmm. um, because I believe that it all starts with me. If I don't trust myself, there's no way I can trust the people around me mm -hmm. um, and vice versa. But what helps me trust not only myself and other people in the universe is that knowing 
are that commitment to seeing the good in people. If I'm committed to seeing the good in everyone, it's easier for me to feel safe around that person and truly trust them and be vulnerable with them. When we look at wanting to see the good in people, what is a way that we can practice that? I believe that everyone is in my life because there's some part of me that is reflected in them. And so when I am able to observe someone else's actions and recall a time when I've been in something similar, maybe a similar situation or circumstance, that helps me be more compassionate, not only for that other person, but also for myself too, because it helps me see that, hey, we're just all sacks of meat with feelings, just trying to navigate this earth. None of us haven't figured out. We might say that we do, but we really don't. <laughs> and that really helps me. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I love that. I love that a lot because there is something really powerful about, for me, I've done this often where I try to look at that person as a child because we're all, we all have an inner child, right? And we all have experiences that have caused us to become distrustful or mean or bullies or whatever it is. So I think just recognizing that everybody was a child once. The other thing that you said that was really powerful was knowing that if somebody is in your life, there's something about them that is reflecting you back to you. And that is something really, really powerful to recognize that people are always going to be kind of a mirror in a sense. And so if there's something unhealed, I don't want to say unhealed, that's kind of such a trendy thing right now. And I, I think we're all, we're all working on ourselves, but it's not our goal to heal everything. So, but, but there's something going on where you have this indicator. There's something that you want to pay attention to or focus on, or maybe work on. Right. So I love that you said that because it is true. If we can instead stop looking at that person and being like, why are you making me uncomfortable? And being like, okay, what is it that I is triggering me right now? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Yes. And I feel like instead of asking, why can't this person do this? Why can't I accept what's happening? Mm -hmm. That's the million dollar question, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. It is. And that's a beautiful way to look at it because it really is just saying, I am responsible for me and nobody owes me anything. Oh, yes. Um, have you, that reminds me of the practice of Ho'oponopono. Have you heard yes. of that practice? Yes. 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 Beautiful. Being in that zero state. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I knew you would be up on it. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'd love to just touch on that because not, maybe not everybody has heard of that. Uh, but it's really the concept of forgiving yourself and through forgiving yourself, forgiving others. And when you heal yourself, you heal others. When you love yourself, you love others. And that's a really powerful thing uh, to think about because we are all one, one together, right? Yes. And even on a practical view, like for some people who may not be able to wrap their heads around it. Like, oh, how does healing me heal the other person? Well, it's like, if you spend that time on yourself, you're automatically coming at yourself with more gentleness. So if that's rippling off, you can't help but smile around people who are smiling at you. You know what I mean? And so even on a practical level, yes, healing yourself does heal the whole world. Yes, beautiful. So I want to go into that a little bit more because one of the things we do when we see ourselves in others or we see the good in other people is sometimes that means we have a hard time setting boundaries with people because we love them. And especially this happens in couple relationships where we love the person so much that we end up not being able to set boundaries with them because we want to 
we want to care for them. We want to love them and we see the good in them, no matter how bad they treat us. <laughs> so uh, what would you say about that, about setting boundaries uh, with, with people, whether it's a cup, whether it's a partner or just in general, maybe somebody you work with or whatever it is. I love this question because as the more I open my heart, the more I'm finding like the need for that balance of loving someone in their whole entirety and accepting them, but also, hey, I can't love you in the same room. Like I have to love you a little bit <laughs> <laughs> And for me, what has really helped is really reviewing my feelings and how my world inside was when I didn't set the boundaries. You know, what did I delay? What blessings or opportunities did I push away because I didn't set this boundary and I wasn't firm with myself? And, you know, remembering all the times that I put myself in mental distress <laughs> and reviewing, okay, well, what did that get me? What did I get from putting myself through this? Oh, nothing? Oh, okay, gray hairs? Okay, let me <laughs> stop, you know? And I mean, I just had to put a, a, a movie on of my past. That's what really helped me enforce my boundaries because I had to really think about, you know, what have you been doing to yourself? You're in this, this, you're in this spiral and you're still spiraling. The only thing that's going to get me out is I had to, I had to be gentle with myself, but that tough love, you know what I mean? Yeah. I had to have that tough love. I, I think tough love is a really powerful thing to bring up. Because we think that loving someone means being nice to them. And it doesn't necessarily mean that even with ourselves, right? Like self, self-discipline is a form of self-love. I like to say that because it doesn't always mean that you're going to be comfortable and cozied up and, you know, nurtured and stuff. Sometimes loving yourself means kicking yourself in the butt and being like, you need to get this done or you need to clean your space or you need to go out and exercise or you need to stop eating so many chips, you know, because it's making you sick, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But sometimes that's what tough love is. And we have this for other people too. We tend to look at other people, especially our partner and be like, well, I need to be nice to you because I love you. And sometimes you can be kind, but doesn't necessarily mean that you need to be nice because sometimes there's tough love in your relationship. So it, yeah, I think tough love is a really good way to, good way to put it. Oh yeah. And something that I'm learning now is that you can be sad and make decisions. You can make decisions that make you sad and still have all the love in the world for someone, but still stick to the sad decision, quote unquote. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, love isn't always sometimes, you know, rainbows and butterflies yeah. and unicorns. Like it is sometimes a slap on the wrist. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that's really powerful to think about. And there's something really loving. And this is something I learned way too late in my life, but there is something really, really loving about giving your partner or the person you love the opportunity to experience discomfort because it helps them to grow and evolve and become who they are meant to be. If you protect them all the time, then they're never going to live up to their full potential. They're never going to be able to grow or expand. And that's a really hard lesson when you love someone because you don't want them to, to suffer. But sometimes it means letting someone suffer because they have to grow. Oh, I love that. And also, like from a slightly different viewpoint, I have to let you suffer, quote unquote, because maybe I'm not the best teacher. Mm. You know, maybe I don't have the messages that you need to know. And here I am trying to pour what I think. Yes. And you don't even need that. That is so beautiful. I love that so much because I actually saw that recently on a, on a (laughs) K-drama. She was talking about that. She said, who am I to be so egotistical that I think I know the right way for you to live or how to solve this problem? It's not for me 
to say. And I thought that was so powerful. And like you said, it's so powerful to be like, I'm, I don't necessarily have all the answers. What a beautiful gift that is to give yourself. And also that person is like, maybe I'm not the person to tell you how to do this or, or what to do or how to feel or whatever. So I think that's a really powerful thing to say. It just feels good. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I think that's a really, it's like so freeing for a lot of people. So, um, the other thing I want to touch on, because you do talk about this quite a lot on your amazing podcast is wealth and money. And even though when we talk about being a divine femme, we really want to think about, uh, being kind of unconditionally aligned. Right. But it is lovely to create that wealth. And there is something really powerful about, um, manifesting a sense of abundance. So can we talk a little bit about what abundance means to you and how to manifest that into your life as a divine fan? So abundance to me means freedom to live. Um, it's not necessarily tied to a number, uh, but it can be. For me, abundance is tuning into how I am naturally. Like there's an abundance of cells that are being produced in my body right now as we speak. There's also another abundance of cells that are dying off right now as we speak and they're on, in constant renewal. So physically, my body in this 3D world is in constant renewal. And physically, I see around me, okay, there's a computer, there's this drywall. None of this was free, right? So when I tune in, okay, so I'm surrounded by literal money, I have literal abundance. That, that's one of the ways when I was in the beginning trying to manifest wealth, just realizing that it's all around me on a lot of different levels. Um, kind of like, that's what gets your mind aligned into what abundance actually means, if that makes sense. Mm, absolutely, it does. I, I think that's a really powerful way to consider what you've already been given. One of the things I've talked about before uh, on the podcast too, is this idea that you haven't received what you already have been given is we want more, but we haven't even received what we already have. So actively saying like you said, I have this body and I've received it and I receive it. And I'm so grateful for it. Thank you. Thank you for giving this to me universe. And like you said, the, the, the house that you're in, like really receiving it, practicing that. And, and because often we want more and more, but we don't even really appreciate like what we've already gotten. Yes. Oh man. And I'm learning that when you shower the things around you in appreciation you really do have more to appreciate you know what you appreciate appreciates yes <laughs> um for me thank you has been one of the most powerful prayers in my life and that has put me in the tune of abundance mm. by just saying thank you mm. it is one of the most beautiful prayers that we can say and I also think it's a really cool way to something I feel like we get from our childhood is like everything is animated. You know, you watch Disney movies or everything is like has a personality like the, the like in Beauty and the Beast, you know, like the, the teacups and the, the chest of drawers and the whatever, all everything, the, the candlestick, they all have personalities. But I think if you start thinking kind of like that and looking at everything, having an essence, then it also allows you to kind of connect more deeply to everything you have, because really everything does have an essence. Everything is energy, just like we're energy. So even with money, like I love to, you know, say thank you to money and like, hi, how's it going? And I really do this in nature a lot because I think in being in nature, like it's so easy to be in that thank you space, but there's so many things that you can just talk to and, and think, cause there's so many things to be thankful for in our own, even just in our own space, even in our own bodies, like you said. Oh yes. Oh yes. Yeah. And I feel like when you 
when you recognize your relationship to everything and you recognize that you have a relationship with money, just like any other relationship, um, when I approach money from the angle that, hey, me and money are in this together and we're about to conquer the world together, I'm a lot nicer to money. Mm -hmm. And I find that I'm managing it a lot better. I'm paying more attention. And I find that money likes it when I pay it attention and when I treat it well. And then more comes. You know, that's that divine fan manifestation energy. Yes. <laughs> I like that because it, because money can be your ally, right? just like everything else that we have a relationship with, do you want it to be your enemy or your ally? Well, if you have respect for the power of it, there's something really amazing that happens because I think there's just a mutual connection that you can create with it. It's like, yeah, I love it. You're like, we're a team. Like we're like, we're, what do you call it? Partners in crime. Yeah. So we're going to go conquer the world together. And there is something really powerful to be said about that because we have such subconscious connections to money and what it means to have a lot of money. And, you know, there's so many things like if I have money, I'll lose it. Or if I have money, I'm a bad person. Or if I have more than my parents, I'll be a disappointment or whatever it is. There's so many things. And so getting to the root of that, I think is really powerful. Do you, do you find that it's important to know kind of what your money issues are, or do you feel like it's more important to just focus on building that relationship? I think the only way that you can build the relationship is if you have that history. And so like when you are first dating, you know, your loved one, you want to know their history. You want to know the things that make them tick. And so in order for me to be really tight with money, I have to know what makes me tick and, you know, what did I believe and what did I learn? And one of the biggest things for me is I had to stop putting my needs on money because money doesn't care about my bills. Money does not care that I have rent to pay. Money doesn't care about that. Okay. (laughs) You know, and it's like, money is not responsible for my well-being. I am responsible for my well-being. So no matter what number on the dial is in my bank account, you know, and one of the ways that I was able to get out of that being so needy with money was I stopped saying I need money for this or I need money for that. Um, When you think about the energy of need, when you're saying I need money to pay my rent versus, oh, I desire this, like it feels different on the nervous system. Like if you were to ask, your babe, hey, I need you to take out the trash today versus, hey, babe, could you help me out, please? Could you take out the trash today? What energy is going to bring you more, you know? So, yeah. I think that's great. And it's almost like being able to be playful with it, right? Because if you think about money as, as some, somebody or having an essence and you just get to play, that's way more fun. It's just like your partner. If you're playful about something, it's much easier to connect because they're not going to put their walls up. Right. So I think that's a really good, good thing to say. And when you, do you have any mantras that are abundance related or money related that you use? Mm, So I have a few that I'm using right now. Uh, The first one is money is here. Money is mine. Money is now. Um, I don't know, just quick. And it just makes me, gets me hyped. Another one that I'm loving recently is I am a spiritual and mental magnet attracting all things that are uh, prosperous. Wait, let me say that again. (laughs) I'm a spiritual and mental magnet attracting all things that are prosperous to me. Mm, I love it. I love it. I think those are great. And it's nice because you, if you say them slow enough, you really can feel the power of them. That's something I think is really powerful about mantras and affirmations is saying them so that you really know, like every word is, is anchored in taking the time to be present with your, with your mantras. So that's amazing. I love that. So I have three questions that we ask all of our guests on the biohack your beauty podcast 
So the first question is, what is your definition of beauty? To me, beauty is appreciating what is right in front of you. Mm. Yes, powerful, mm -hmm. powerful stuff. <laughs> so the second one is, what is your favorite inner or outer beauty tip for our listeners? Water. <laughs> Drink water. <laughs> water is king. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, it's a really, really good one. I love spiritual baths. I love um, like water, like shower charges, I call them. I love drinking water. Hydrotherapy is the way to go. Mm. Um, it's so funny because like on Twitter, they're like, oh, what's your favorite hydrating uh, serum? And me being the tourist that I am, I'm like, water. Water is my favorite. <laughs> I love that. First of all, I'm a tourist too. I don't know if we knew this about each other. Did you know that? Yes, I you're okay. the 19th, right? I'm the 19th. Yes. Yes, I'm 18. That's right. Oh, I love it. I love it too. <laughs> and it's so funny, but I don't know if you find this, but as I've gotten older and kind of just more in tune with myself, I'm like, wow, I really am a Taurus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like it's undeniable. <laughs> yes. I'm like, oh man, all my partners in the past. Wow. Yes. I apologize. Yep. Absolutely. I'm like, it's all like, I understand everything now. It's all explained. Yeah. I love that. It's funny that you say that too. Cause I, uh, I, I'm very into humidifiers and stuff, but I started just getting like a little spray bottle that I put next to my desk and I just spray my face with water like five it. times a day or something. I'm like, it's, I mean, it doesn't sound very fancy, but if you think about it, how much better does it get just hydrating your, your skin with water, right? Yeah, it's right from the source. Yeah, it's right from the source. <laughs> um, okay, and the last question is, where can our listeners find you? Ooh, okay, so I am on Twitter, MindFlowers888. And I am also, I have a podcast of my own called the MindFlowers Podcast. And yeah, you can find me there. <laughs> Yay, amazing, amazing. I will leave all the links in the show notes so everybody can find you easily. And I just want to thank you for being an amazing guest today. This was so fun. It was just like having coffee with a friend. So it was so lovely. It really was. Thank you so much for your time and your energy and really like just sharing your space with me today. It was a treat. So thank you so much. If you loved this episode, please give this podcast a positive review on iTunes or Spotify. It helps us spread the word about the power of holistic health and beauty, and it helps this podcast grow. If you share your favorite takeaways from this episode on Instagram, please make sure to tag me so I can reshare. Thank you so much for listening. Have a beautiful week.